our job is not to inflict punishment. Our job is to create the environment and the levels of performance that allow us to work in concert on the field for the highest level of performance. Today is our last clinic segment for this offseason. This one is from the third annual Lawrence First and Gold Clinic. The link to the entire presentation, which is available on CoachTube, is in the description. In this segment, Dante Barti, defensive analyst at the University of Oregon, shares what he learned from his first year as a college defensive coordinator at Ottawa University. Dante's passion for football and innate ability to decipher and teach complex strategies has set him apart as a great young thinker on the game. Be sure to check the link in the description to his interview on our Accelerate Everything series, where he shares some of his strategic thoughts on the game, especially as it applies to offense. Today's episode applies to all of us as we continue growing as communicators and in developing our relationships with our players. We'll share our winning edge takeaways following this clinic segment. What you see on tape is a direct reflection of what you teach and how you teach. Video is important, but if you don't teach well, you're not going to like what you see on your video. First Down Playbook has been helping coaches teach better for 13 years. It allows you to present installs, playbooks, and practice cards in half the time with NFL quality. Coaching tools like video pairing, a player app, practice schedules, and wristband sheets have made First Down Playbook a program management system with everything in one place. If you're in a position of leadership with your football program, receive a free one-week look at First Down Playbook. Call them at 512-814-6158 or visit them on their website or social media. Mention Coach and Coordinator Podcast or use the coupon code COACH24 to receive a $100 discount off the normal $700 First Down Playbook team membership price. Links and the phone number are in the show notes. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk here again. I talked the first time Lawrence First and Gold came out. So uh, quickly, a little bit about myself, and then I want to get in the topic at hand. For those who don't know, my name is Dante Barti, currently a defensive analyst over at Oregon. Before that, from Arizona, coached at Perry High School. After Perry High School, went to Upper Iowa University in Northeast Iowa as a D2 coach. Then I went to Cal Berkeley to GA. After Cal Berkeley, I went to Southern Mississippi and Hattiesburg, Mississippi, where I did this first clinic. And then this last go around as an analyst, this last go around, this last season, um, I was a defense coordinator at Ottawa University. And I hadn't been a defensive coordinator since I coached high school ball. And so what I want to talk mainly about today is not schematic. If you've heard any of my talks, this is more strategic level of thinking, right? There'll be some tactics involved and in like how we move certain personnel. But I want to talk about like your strategic outlook when it comes to being a defensive coordinator, the things I thought I did well, the things I thought I did poorly, because I think it's really important that we think of coaching as a holistic approach. Sometimes we think of just recruiting or we think of just the scheme or we think of just the personnel and we don't think of the leadership process as a whole. And so my first stint as a college defensive coordinator, I just want to give you some of my experiences and the things that I learned using kind of the frameworks that I used to think about the game. So going with that point to start with, the first thing I want to talk about that I thought was really important for me is that, and you hear some of these things all the time, 
but you got to think about the players, not the concepts that you want to run, right? You always hear, think about players, not plays. You usually hear that when it comes to offense. Hey, if you don't have enough tight ends, you don't want to do this. If you don't have enough receivers, you don't want to do this. From a defensive perspective, what I've found is that there were certain concepts. I really wanted to run forms of bracket defenses, a lot of deny the ball man-to-man defenses. Now, we did that pretty well, but what I neglected to do nearly as well is tailor some of the schematic tools that I had to the type of personnel bodies that I have. And so when I think of now the frame of reference that I use, the framework I use kind of as a hierarchy of needs when it comes to deciding what you're going to run on defense, right? The first thing is the who. It's the personnel that you have. Now that requires a really thorough evaluation when you get to the program you're going to on what your personnel is. Uh, My head coach, Nick Davis, gave me actually an extremely beneficial thing to do, especially for small school, whether it's NAIA football, whether it's D2 ball, or whether it's high school ball, is instead of looking at last year's tape of players that are already on your in your program, look at the high school tape. And the reason is it allows you to evaluate their performance in relation to the people that you're recruiting now, right? So instead of like, yeah, you're going to look at past years and how they did, but what you want to do so you can get a framework for the growth potential in these athletes, particularly in guys you're recruiting to come in, you want to look at their high school football tape. And you want to say to themselves, what did this player look like in high school? And so when you go to recruit another player and evaluate their potential, you can say, look, this is what this kid did in high school. This is what he's grown into in three years. This is what this other player has done in that same, you know, could do, I should say, could do the potential growth in the same amount of time. I think that's really, really important and gets lost from some of some guys when they're coming into a program, right? Because it's all about building what they want, not what the players need. So that segues into kind of my the second part of that conversation. And that is, Make sure that you are player focused. That does not mean that you are a player's coach. The the idea of a player's coach is tends to be someone who who all the players like and not everybody's going to like you. And it has this connotation of being someone who at times can be overly friendly. That is not what I mean by being player focused or player centric. What that means is that your moments when you get into a program have to be focused on interacting with the players and making sure they understand your standards and why your standards matter. You have to make your standards matter to them. And you also have to figure out what do those players interact with best. They may be visual learners. You may not be able to throw something up on a PowerPoint screen or talk to them in a manner that allows them to understand and digest the cultural values and principles of your organization. You may have to take them out and about and show them. You may need to talk with some players one-on-one, which is something I thought I tried to do a good job of, is talking to players one-on-one on on a consistent basis to get them to have an understanding of where you are coming from, from a cultural perspective. Before you have your first defensive or team meeting, you need to interact with those players in an intimate setting, because by doing so, you give them an assumed rapport when they walk into that first meeting. The first time they meet you should not be in that team meeting. Now, some circumstances you you can't 
get around it, right? There's some circumstances that's not the case. You can't get around it. But as much as possible, you want to create intimate, close settings to create social interactions whereby the players begin to respect and have the expectations that you desire. I'm a fairly young individual, so I don't have the assumed rapport that maybe an older individual would have from a leadership perspective. I can't say on my resume, I've been to 25 different places and I'm 55 or 45 years old. So I have to find methods and methodologies, ways in which we communicate with the, with the athlete in different settings to get them to understand what you're trying to accomplish. As coaches, we know that some of the biggest hurdles to our team's success can come from off the field. Your team needs support to tackle the endless list of expenses, uniforms, training equipment, travel, and more. But raising that money can feel like a full-time job. Thankfully, there's Vertical Raise. Vertical Raise is the premier online fundraising platform using innovative technology to create the easiest and most efficient system available. Raise more money in less time with a local fundraising coach who works with your team every step of the way to customize the ideal fundraiser. With options for online donations, digital discount cards, premium product sales, and even spirit shops, Vertical Raise has top-of-the-line solutions for every fundraising style. To find out more, visit verticalraise.com and we'll get you connected with an exclusive offer on your first fundraiser. I've always been interested in the use of technology to make our jobs more effective, so I'm excited to continue sharing modern football technology with you here on the podcast. This innovative system leverages tendencies to improve self-scouting, game planning, and in-game decision-making at the speed of the game. Modern football stands out because it's a battle-tested platform used by teams at all levels, like four-time national champion Bishop Gorman, the five-time California state champion Folsom Bulldogs, six-time Texas state champion Lake Travis, Cal football, and the CFL's Grey Cup champions, the Montreal Alouettes. So book a demo today to see why these teams trust modern football technology. Visit www.teammofo.com demo and mention Coach and Coordinator Podcast or use the coupon code CC10 to receive 10% off your first year. So the way in which I broke that down for my players and I thought it had a lot of effectiveness was the differentiation in our standards between positive and negative confrontation. So I'll say this again, the difference between positive and negative confrontation. You're always going to have confrontation in life. Confrontation occurs when you interact with another human or in a different environment. We play a game of interaction in uncomfortable environments. So there's going to be conflict, confrontation. It's unavoidable. The differentiating factor that creates the team chemistry required both by the players and from the coaches is delineating, defining, and sticking to positive versus negative confrontational standards. Perfect example. If you have to confront an athlete because they're not doing well in the classroom. You can confront them by talking with them, asking them questions, and then evaluating the standards that you set and constantly going back to those standards that you usually want to write down prior. 
So for example, let's say the player is getting an F and let's say he needs to have at least a C. Well, let's say you've had a conversation already with that player where you've written out the standards by which it's said that he needs a grade of a C in order to play. doesn't matter, right? It's just a, it's a, a thought experiment. So if you go back to those standards and show them that this is what we talked about prior, this is what you agreed to, and you are not holding up to those standards, that is positive confrontation because you're evaluating and attacking the problem, not the person. And you're trying to be problem solvers, as in how do we solve the issue at hand to get you to a C, not punishers. Because our job is not to inflict punishment. Our job is to create the environment and the levels of performance that allow us to work in concert on the field for the highest level of performance. Negative confrontation, as an example, would be if you were to go up to this player and you were to tell them how terrible they are as a person, attack their character, tell them they just don't want it, they just don't care enough, it just doesn't matter to them. Whether you said it calmly or you yell in their face, that's still negative confrontation because you made it about the person and their character before you made it about the problem that needs to be fixed. And you don't provide any solutions to that problem. So we can extrapolate on that. And one of the ways I thought I did a really good job and that needs to be done is once you set that standard approach, that you're constantly going back to that standard and positively confronting individuals that don't abide by that standard. And it's always easier to be harder in the beginning and let your foot off the gas than to try to draw new lines as the season progresses. So, for example, we had a standard of practice on defense. Our standard of practice was the way in which we gave effort was the mentality and intensity and urgency we would have. And then the fact that we were not late to whatever we were going to do, whether that was practice, meetings, classes, et cetera. That was part of our standard approach. It's easier to get in them early on and take the lumps that are necessary as a program. Be willing to lose players on the front end. Be willing for a player to say F off on the front end. I'm not about this. You're new to me. I'm out. And set that standard early than it is to try to be buddy-buddy with all the players and then have to pull back your approach or evaluate your approach later on because the players aren't performing like you wanted them to. And so now you try to change your tone, change your tune, and you lose the players. And so one of the biggest things I've learned, characteristics I've learned throughout this process, is that with players and coaches, if you set that standard right away and you keep to it, regardless if you lose some, because you're going to, you got to be willing to lose some. You got to be willing to lose one of your best players. You have to, and you're probably going to. But if you're willing to set that standard early on, that works in your favor throughout the year. It makes it easier because the players understand that what you're doing is the way in which you set their expectation. You cannot give players confrontational interactions without setting expectations for performance.
And those performances, guys, don't have to be on the scoreboard. We were two and eight my year at Ottawa. We were really good on defense. We we're like fourth in the country in past defense. We we're top 10 in the country until towards the end of the year. Like I think last game of the year in scoring defense, meaning, you know, off uh, defensive touchdowns. We were pretty good on defense. But what mattered to me, especially towards the end of the year, was not about the scoreboard. It wasn't about the scoreboard anymore. And it says, well, coach, right, that performance, one, it's what you put on tape, and two, like it determines whether or not you have a job, and you're correct. But I got the players to understand that their performance on the field was not tied to the performances of the team as a, a whole. There's not an I in team, but there's an I in win. And so I got them to understand the process-based approach whereby what mattered to getting to the point, the outcomes that they desired was the process by which they did it. You have a lot of coaches who talk about that process-based approach. They talk about the performance modeling and how process performance equals results. But what you don't see a whole lot, I think from the top down, is the constant use of that process-based performance as an evaluative tool of success. And so when you are able to show the positive growth within your program from the process-based performance and show it to the players, you gain their trust. The work works. When you can show them that the work works, even if you're not winning, you gain their trust, which means you gain their ability to sustain their level of performance in stressful environments, sustainability in stressful environments. So to put it colloquially, you can get into them, you can give them a negative confrontation at times, and they're more aptly to interact with you in a positive way. One of the things we hear uh, as a coach speak all the time is hear the message, not the tone. And there's some truth to that, but that also takes away all the responsibility from the person saying the words to the person receiving them. And no interaction should be that way. So you have to set up the environment by which the tone and sense of urgency provides the message for you in a manner in which they hear it and take it a certain way. So what do I mean by that? There's a bridge there. If you don't build an environment whereby the tone and the way in which you say things provides a space, a psychological space for them to receive that message, then you're wrong, in my opinion. You're wrong. Just yelling and screaming at players and saying, listen to my voice, listen to what I'm saying, not how I'm saying it, isn't going to get what you want done. Providing a framework and a standard and expectation of performance, whereby they have to buy into that framework and expectation of performance in order to be a part of your program, provides the environment where the message and the tone work together. And once again, you have to be willing to let people go in your program that don't buy in to that mentality or what those standards are. And then as an evaluative tool, you have to evaluate your own performance because if you're not getting the buy-in or the performance you expected, then you have to evaluate your ability to change that environment, which usually means changing your message and changing your tone. So I think that's really important as you work through a season from an organizational strategic perspective is it's not just about what you say. It is about how you say it. And it is about setting the expectation of why you're saying it that way in the beginning. And you got to have a willingness to lose some people. Here are winning edge takeaways and ideas for implementation. One, player focused does not mean you are a player's coach. I think Coach Barty makes an important distinction there. You are there to mentor and develop your players you coach. That is foremost in your role. 
Being player-focused helps you keep that distinction and setting up both the expectations as well as the rapport will allow you to best reach your players. Trying to be their friend will ultimately blow up. That's a different type of relationship than you need as a coach. Two, find methodologies to communicate. Coach Barty distinguished the types of interactions as positive and negative confrontation, realizing that there will be no way around confrontation in your role as a coach. It's just part of the job. However, distinguishing the approach to being positive and evaluating and attacking the problem rather than the person is best for both parties and can lead to positive resolution of the issue. He also made a great point about both the message and the tone being equally important. His points on that are worth listening to again. 3. Study beyond the X's and O's in order to improve as a professional. I've known Dante for five years now, and he is beyond just being a student of the game. If you've watched him present on the X's and O's, you know that he is studying those intensely. It does not stop there for him. He studies all aspects of coaching. That's evident in this section of his clinic talk today, in which he focused more on communication and player-coach interaction. As you get into this season, approach every day as an opportunity to learn from your interactions with your players and the staff. Reflect on those interactions daily with the intent of understanding what you can do better and being accountable to yourself to improve so that you are better the next time. Follow all we're doing at coachingcoordinator.com. Go there for our enhanced show notes and to sign up for our weekly tip sheet, which shares the best ideas from the previous week episodes. Follow us on Twitter at Coach K Grabowski.